What's going on, everybody? It is Eric Elliott here from Refocus Nutrition with another episode of the Refocus Nutrition podcast. This week, we have a special guest, one that I've been excited to bring on for quite some time, actually, now. Um, she was a former coach with myself. Uh, it is Angela Hoke. Uh, so, Ange is, she runs a nutrition uh, coaching uh, company as well. She coaches a lot of clients, more so in the physique space than the performance space, such as like CrossFit, where I obviously uh, spend most of my time. With that being said, she does a lot of uh, a lot of transformations in terms of physical work with people. Um, she is a UFE fitness and physique figure and physique pro herself. Uh, she earned her pro cards last year. So that was a very big deal that we talked about as well. Uh, Ange also has like a really interesting story where she kind of talks just about like how she got into fitness because we both have a journalism background where we had uh, degrees in education in journalism, but obviously didn't end up pursuing that as a full-time career uh, in our future. And, you know, she talks a little bit how kind of she went through that partying drugs um, and finding herself before she got into fitness. Um, with that being said, guys, before we get into the interview, I wanted to talk about the 19.3. Um, we just finished that this week in our gym at CrossFit Mirai. Uh, and obviously people around the world have finished the same workout as well. It was a lot of fun, uh, except for probably the handstand push-ups just coming down on the neck. My neck is definitely sore. Uh, shout out to Marla uh, for fixing my neck here in Chestmere. But um, yeah, like it's it's only two more weeks to the open. It's hard to believe we've gone this far already. Um, I think some people did surprise themselves in terms of how far they got in this workout, but also either getting their first ever strict handstand push-up or even scaling them and doing them um, scaled that way, getting their first ever scale strict handstand push-up, which was a huge deal. Um, so big deal, guys. I think that, that was awesome. Uh, I'm expecting a lot of fun coming for 19.4 and 5, but with that being said, I'll get to this interview with Angela Hope. Take care, guys. And we're back, guys, with another guest. This week we have Ange or Angela Hawk. Am I pronouncing that, Ange? Uh, we're pretty close. It's uh, Ange Hoke. Hoke. Um, so Ange is a uh, UFE fitness pro. Is that right? Yep. And I'm also a figure pro, too. So I'm a dual pro fitness and uh, figure. Um, and she is also a nutrition coach. So to back up a little bit, um, I met Ange kind of through a bunch of other people. Um, we're actually from very, very similar parts of the woods, literally the woods. Um, I think she's from Teeswater, if I have that correctly, mm -hmm. yeah. which is a really small town in southwestern Ontario. And I'm from a neighboring community called Walkerton, um, which is about 20 minutes from Teeswater. A little bit bigger than Teeswater, but that's not anything to hold my hat on, that's for sure. Um, so from there, I met Ange through a bunch of people who grew up with me and were working with Ange. And uh, actually, she's the first person I called when I was lost as hell, um, as I'll put it, and was looking for what I wanted to do in life. And kind of, I talked to her because I thought I some I admired the work she was doing with a lot of clients. And I kind of wanted the baby steps on how to start dipping my feet in that water. Um, so she's the one I talked to, and she's the one that I referred to a lot on since taking that leap um, and jumping into the industry myself. 
But to kind of backtrack a little bit about her story, she is someone that spent probably the first two decades of her life overweight and living off of like quote unquote crappy foods, um, like just foods that weren't serving her health or her fitness, you know, really, really well. And then went ended up losing over 90 pounds. And then she also spent like five years working with a lot of food, food addiction issues and food, um, just food issues in general. Struggling as an anorexic, an alcoholic, drug addict. And then she also kind of found herself, which we're going to talk about, we'll let her talk about, when she was in Western Europe, basically hitchhiking and just backpacking through there. Um, and then, as I said, kind of went on to start her own career as a nutrition coach working in that industry. So welcome, Ange. And yeah, let's get into your story a little bit. Tell me, yeah, let's break it down. Let's start with how you grew up overweight, you know, eating that quote unquote crappy food, as I say, and like the deep fried foods and Pepsi as you, t- as you talk about. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, thank you, Eric. First, I want to just start off by saying thank you for having me on your podcast. And I'm very, very proud of everything that you are accomplishing and the things that you are going after. It's very interesting to me that we both started with a background in journalism. And perhaps that was one of the connecting factors mm-hmm. beyond us living close to one another that I started in journalism, decided that uh, I was going to switch careers paths afterwards. But to just kind of take it back to my younger years, my mom had this small town diner and like in Teeswater, like what you mentioned there, Eric. And instead of us sitting down around a table and eating together, I was just ordering all of the foods that I was eating from my mom's small town diner. And when it's all that you ever know, you don't really know how crappy you're eating and you don't really recognize that what you're putting into your body is really having a big impact on how you're feeling and how your digestion is going. And so it's all I ever knew. It's the way that my family always ate. And although I knew that we were bigger than other people, you don't really pay a lot of attention to that, I think, when you're younger um, to the same capacity as when it starts to catch up to you and your metabolism isn't as quick as maybe what it was when you were younger. And then you add in drinking alcohol and going to college and all of that lifestyle and um, started looking around and not really feeling confident and not really yeah, not really being sure of uh, sure of myself or what I wanted from the future. And I was working in radio in British Columbia and just just felt very, very lost. I was tired all the time. I was sleeping like not only at night, but also having to nap throughout the day. And my best friend kept on saying to me, don't you think that you sleep a lot? And I'm like, I think everybody sleeps this much. And she's like, no, girl, (laughs) nobody sleeps as much as you. And um, I was also dating a guy. He kept on saying things like that to me as well. Like, it just seems like you don't have a lot of energy. And it seems like you don't have a lot of zest for life. And uh, that was just very interesting, interesting to me, because I was like, oh, this is all I've ever known. Um, And then I came back to Teeswater and just decided like, oh, okay, maybe there is a different world. Maybe there is something that's out there. And yeah, I was, uh, I didn't really know how to exercise and I had never ate a vegetable in my life. So I was like, I don't really know what I should be having, but I knew that lettuce and chicken and fruit was healthy 
just from, I don't know, I guess that was my basic knowledge of nutrition. And so that's all I ate. And that might seem very ridiculous from an outside perspective to not eat anything other than three foods. But I, that's all I knew to be like, that's all I knew at the time. So it, that's just what I did. And initially when that, um, when that first started, Eric, the funny part that I always laugh about is like, I'm just the type of person who is very, how do I just, how do I describe it? I don't want to say it's an addictive personality, but it's kind of like once I'm doing something, I have I, I, it's kind of, I've made up my mind of, okay, this is what I'm doing. And I just keep on doing it on rinse and repeat over and over and over. And so I think even that initial weight loss journey for me was a bit addictive and was a bit like, I think it, it, it was an obsession really. Um, mm-hmm. and then I didn't really know or educate myself about all the other foods. And so, Essentially, what what started off as trying to get healthy became me being so petrified about <coughs> fat that I just got into like not eating, and that's where anorexia came in, and then partying came in as a way to be able to manage my body, um, and yeah, doing drugs and and drinking alcohol and being out and exposed into that lifestyle. I was getting attention from men, and I never had had that kind of attention, so that was like very interesting for me and was like I would say probably me just seeking validation because I had never had validation for my own appearance and so I feel like that was the big reason why I got so caught up in drugs and alcohol was because it just really validated me as a person and made me feel confident for the first time um and then after that point that kind of leads me to Essentially, things are fun until they no longer became fun. And when you're hanging out with people and all you guys are doing is getting high and fucked up all the time, like eventually it just catches up and there's not concrete relationships there. Yes, you have fun, but like you just feel empty. And and I kind of got sick of like coming down from drugs like a few nights a week and just feeling so empty and feeling like what the fuck am I doing with myself? And so I bought a ticket to Western Europe and and just said, okay, I just need time communicating with nobody, sitting in silence and figuring out what in the world I'm going to do with my life. And when I first went there, I was still partying because that's all I ever knew. Um, and then I had went to um, some sort of night show in Ibiza, Spain and I was coming down and sitting in this like little uh, cafe and I was drinking a smoothie and they had this magazine and the magazine was called Passion and there was a page in there that had this couple of paragraph thing that, that essentially was like, how do you want to be remembered at your funeral? And it was like essentially putting my entire life into perspective. And of all the times that the universe has ever really smacked me in the face, it was that day. And just reading that article and I print or I, I, I took it out of the magazine and brought it back with me. But that will forever be imprinted in my mind that I thought, oh, my God, at my funeral, do people are people are going to sit around and be like, holy shit, this girl was like a druggie and she didn't have an impact on my life. And Really, I, I didn't want to be remembered that way. I wanted to be remembered for impact, but knew that the path that I was going down was not going to lead me to that. Um, and 
I was robbed and didn't have money. So I decided I was going to hitchhike and that's essentially what I did. And, and the cool part about that entire experience was I had nothing. I had no possessions. I had like when I went to, went to Europe, I, I essentially left everything behind, left my house. Um, and like when I was going to go back, I didn't know where I was going to go or what I was going to do, but I felt so free because I had absolutely nothing. And I had this plate, this, uh, space for complete clarity with no connection to anybody or anything. And it was sitting in that silence for day after day. There was like lots of days when I never said a word, um, and wasn't able to get caught up in, in this or get caught up in that. Um, and was really just able to take in my surroundings and appreciate the world around me and really, check in with my intuition to say, hey, this is what feels like the right path. And in returning home from that trip, the clarity in my mind of what I was going to do was so vivid that I can't even, it's it's crazy because I don't think I pictured everything in the way that it's panned out, but it was so clear to me to build a fitness empire and to impact lives and that that was that fitness and nutrition was going to be the avenue in which I was going to do that. Um, that became so, so clear. And I've just held on to that ever since knowing that it, with complete certainty, that this is exactly what I was put on this earth for. And perhaps all of those other experiences that have led me up to where I am right now were exactly what I needed to go through to have the perspective that I do now, which is seeing both sides. Cause I think if had I not have went through all of those experiences um, and now I'm able to look at them and thank those experiences for everything that they are instead of hating them. Cause I remember like coming out of all of that, all I wanted to do was hate the fact that I used to be an addict and hate the fact that like I was overweight and hate all of these parts of me from my past that at the time they served me and they served me really well. So in my journey and, and kind of self-discovery, I've been able to say, Hey, you know what? Like, thank you so much for having these things come into my life and to present these kinds of experiences. Cause I, I don't think I would be the woman or the um, mom that I am right now, had I not have went through all of that. So fast forward a few years, um, the business is pretty well established and um, I'm very proud of everything that we're doing right now. And along the way, the universe did a wonderful thing, which is, is essentially gave me the birth of my son, which me and my partner at the time, um, well, he's still my partner because we're married now, but um, <laughs> my me and him, we got pregnant. And again, like I was like, what? what? Uh, 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 okay, okay, we're pregnant. And like, I didn't even, I didn't know that I was going to be a mom or didn't know if that was the, like, what was in my future. But now looking back, like becoming a mom was the best thing that ever happened to me and put everything, um, into a really cool perspective. And it's now awesome that I get to work with so many moms with the perspective of, of being a mom. Cause I don't think I really understood that until I'm now in it and can understand what that feels like day to day. Yeah. I think that like, there's a lot of, a lot of things within your story <clears throat> that speak to me like right away. Like I think that you're the idea of I mean, I, whenever I talk about it, it sounds almost morbid the way you're like when you said you don't want to be remembered that way. And I'm sure you didn't think, hey, I'm 
you know, I might be dead next month, but like eventually you start to think about, you know, how you're passing your quote unquote legacy down to other people. And that's something that I was the same way as you. I, I didn't want to be remembered as someone that just went nine to five and did like the journalism job that didn't help anyone. Right. And I think that you were like, when you talked about your journalism background, that's a lot of the same way. So one of the things I wanted to dig a little bit into and talk about is how you got into fitness specifically. Um, because for me, it was like, you know, I couldn't picture myself doing anything else. If I won the lottery, this is what I would do. I would do exactly what I'm doing right now. But how did you know that fitness was the thing for you? It was your calling? I, th I think the clarity of that came from when I had went through the weight loss journey and was looking the way that I was, yes, there was the perspective of guys taking notice of me that hadn't before, but there was also this interesting response from a lot of women that kept on asking me, like saying like, oh my gosh, you are like my biggest inspiration. Tell me what you're doing. Like, I'm so inspired by your, so your story. I'm so... Like, just, just show me what you're eating. Tell me what you're doing because I just want that. And I think for the first time I thought like, okay, well, I guess I could. But what if I knew more and was able to share this even more, like from an educated perspective, not from my own personal experience. But those women saying to me like, hey, I'm really inspired by you. Hey, I want to learn what you're doing made me realize like, oh, you know what? Like, this could be something. And waking up every day, I was no longer getting really lit up by the news. I was getting lit up by fitness and, and flipping through magazines like Oxygen and being inspired by women like that. And I was like, you know what, this could, this could be something that is well suited for me. And I feel as though my, like, the beginning stages of it were very just, okay, what is the next step that's going to take me a little bit further versus having the entire path figured out. So for example, I came back from Europe and I did my first um, fitness competition. And that was really just like spur of the moment, got back from Europe was like, you know what, I like to lift weights. And I have a friend that did a show once like didn't hire a coach had no idea what I was doing. But that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, Okay, that's the next that's the next step is just going and dabbling in my own personal journey. And then there was the Wingham gym, which is like this small little community center gym that had a sign up that said, Hey, we're looking for personal trainers. And I wrote them like a letter and said, Hey, I'm not certified. I don't know anything really. But if you guys will take a chance on me and if there's something here that's available, I would love to work at the facility. And they said, yeah, sure. Just go and get your uh, CanFit Pro personal trainer certifi certificate and your fitness instructor and you can uh, start small and work with clients one-on-one -on -one, and you can also teach this cycling class. So the first couple of years of working at that Wingham gym were teaching boot camps, teaching cycling classes, teaching step classes. And like, that is not me at all. So I knew that although that wasn't the path for me, that was where I was like, at least I tried it and was like, okay, I'm never going to be a cycling instructor. But <laughs> it at least got me like working with people and having those conversations with people and, and realizing like, okay, yeah, you can really impact lives. Um, 
And then my first nutrition thing that I got was precision nutrition. And then I was able to start working with clients in, in that capacity as well. Um, so that was the be- that was the beginning of it for where it started. And like I said, then from there, it's just been, okay, like what's the next step for me versus figuring out, okay, the entire path, because A, I didn't really know if I was going to like it or if I was going to make money with it, or if it was going to like pan out in the way that I had thought it was going to pan out. But I, I've really just been like, okay, I'm interested in taking this course. I'm interested in doing this. And then I just kind of always say it's figure outable. So just like sign up for the thing. You might be a little afraid and you might not have all of the like steps lined up in your mind, but just take some action and just trust that if you're feeling compelled to move forward and and to do that thing, just keep on running with it. So that's how I got into it. And then I feel as though some of my passions have, um, just developed from there. Like after doing the first show, I didn't know that I was going to fall in love with um, competing and that I was going to eventually start helping other people do competitions. I had no idea that that was going to be something that I enjoyed, especially because I got second last at my first competition. Um, I also did bikini, which I shouldn't have done bikini, but that's (laughs) fine. I just like, I'm not, I'm not built for that shit, but that's fine. And uh, yeah. So I feel as though I've just kind of ran with it since that. And now, um, have been able to do a lot of specialization in uh, in hypertrophy and recomposition of the body. But at the beginning, I had no idea that that's what I was going to get into. I just knew that I liked helping people feel really good. And I was just going to keep on like running in the direction that felt right at the time. So how many years ago was your first show? Mm. So me, the same year that I started dating Jamie. So we... Um, I don't know, maybe six years ago ish. Oh wow, something like that. Yeah. So I don't think we got to this part yet, but you just turned pro last year, right? In both figure and um, sorry, I missed the other category now. Figure fitness, figure and fitness. Um, Yeah. So obviously, let's like let's talk a little bit about that journey and what that title means to you, because like for most of the people listening to this show, we're not in the bodybuilding space. Um, but if you do a little bit of research or any research at all, turning pro is a big deal. Like you, there's a lot of people would do, you know, shows all their life and never get their pro card, right? So that's obviously a big title to take on, and it's it's one that you earned really, really, really hard after having a child as well. So let's kind of delve down that path a little bit into your career. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So in terms of my competitive career, I first show I didn't have a coach and just kind of stepped on stage. And then I came back a year later with a coach who was a guy who just trained at my gym and he knew how to lift weights pretty well and <laughs> knew nutrition. So um, so with his help, then I moved up a tier, which in a lot of um, federations, there'll be your like amateur level show, which would be your first show or everybody's kind of competing at an amateur level. And then you would move up tiers to qualify in for other categories. So at my second show a year later, I ended up placing third, which moved me up a tier to be in what's called elite within the organization that I compete in. So I, did that show competed as an elite like a few weeks later or something like that. And it was pretty evident that 
I was not going to be competitive as a figure athlete unless I took an extended period of time off. Now, I from that show to my next show, I waited a year and then did Worlds with a different coach. And everything within my gut told me that the coach was a bad fit, but a bunch of girls I knew were working with him. And so I just did it. And I knew enough at that stage in terms of like water depletion and sodium depletion that I was like, Oh my God, everything he's doing is so wrong. And I don't believe in any of this. And like, but he was my coach. So I just did it. It was the worst I've ever looked on stage ever. And I was like, left that show super embarrassed and just kind of like, Oh goodness. Oh goodness. What did I do to myself? Cause I just, I, it didn't feel right, but I still didn't trust myself. Um, but Anyways, that was that show. And then I decided after that show that I didn't know when I was going to compete again or if I was going to compete again. I just knew that my hormones were out of whack. I didn't ha- hadn't had a period in years, so I decided that I was going to get my period back. So went on that journey with a dietitian and increased fats, increased um increased like all food consumption and we worked to get my cycle back and then I had one period and then didn't have another period and then just assumed because my periods had been so irregular that it was just a I don't know that I just didn't have a period turns out I was pregnant so I (laughs) had this pretty yeah I was it's it's a funny story now but it was one of those things where I was driving and was like you know what maybe I'll just take a pregnancy test today so I'm like driving through Orangeville, going to um, Sobeys, and I'm like, I'll just, I'll casually grab a pregnancy test here. And then so I go into the Starbucks washroom, I do the pregnancy test, I'm like, fuck! <laughs> <laughs> so then I go to, I'm like, oh crap, well, I can't go back to Sobeys and get another pregnancy test, but I better find out how far along I am. So I went and got the ones that say like how far along you are. So I went to Pharma Plus, still in the same plaza in Orangeville, and I was like, okay, can't go back to Starbucks, I'll go to Booster Juice. So I went to Booster Juice and essentially, yeah, turns out I was almost in my second trimester and I was like, oh my God, I would have been one of those girls on the MTV show. Like I just thinking that. I was pregnant. (laughs) Literally, like literally that could have been my life because I had no, no idea. It was just, I just find it so fascinating that for whatever reason on that day, that idea popped into my mind. Yes, you need to go take a pregnancy test today, girl. I'm like, Okay. I've learned to just listen to that voice that tells me those crazy things because for whatever reason, it it, it knows what it's talking about. (laughs) So then I had my son that year um, and I was supposed to have him in January, but then we got induced in like a month earlier, um, a month earlier. So I ended up having him in that year, which was 2015. And then after having him, I knew that I wanted to like get off the baby weight and knew that like I maybe wanted to compete again in the future but still wasn't like 100% sure of the idea but was like you know what I'm just going to um do a photo shoot a year from now and see the way that I look um and so that was the end goal um of that first year after I had my son was like okay get back to get back to a place where you would would normally sit and uh, reduce body fat and then after I did that photo shoot 
it was a couple months later and um, the coach that I wanted to work with was a guy that I'd been looking up to on YouTube and learning from for many, many years, um, Paul Ravella. And, and uh, so I signed up with Team Pro Physique in the spring of that year and we decided I was going to work with them for an entire year, build some muscle and then come back and uh, try to aim for a pro card in the spring of the following year. So that year's goal was step on stage um, and also compete at a pro qualifier so that I could go right from amateur level right up to pro. Um, now, in terms of what that journey looked like, I spent a lot of time building muscle and repairing my metabolism before we decided to start dieting. Um, so that was that was something that was really, really important. I didn't go through the process of dropping the baby weight and then still continuing to get leaner. There was a really long period of time there where we increased calories and, and really focused on building muscle. And then to my surprise, I went pro in two categories at the show in May. And although it was my best physique and I was really, 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 really happy, I can also admit that at the time, as good as I, I can look at it now and be like, oh my God, girl, you looked amazing. But at the time I was like, my mindset was still thought I could do better and was still like, couldn't see as I couldn't see how good I looked. Um, which I think is another area where, where a lot of people, um, yeah, a lot of people really struggle. And that's that body dysmorphia component of, not being able to celebrate how good you look or where you're at at that point because in your head you see yourself as something different or see yourself as 100 percent yeah it's it's so unbelievable like I look back on that time and it's so it life is always about lessons but like I was like at the show date, I was like, Oh my God, I'm not lean enough. And I had literally just done a DEXA scan the day before that said I was 8% body fat. And I <laughs> looking in the mirror that day was like, you're not lean enough. You're not going to win. Like, like you, like you're not going to win. And I'm like, okay, you have to get this out of your head. Shake this, shake this. You've practiced this a million times. Like, like you visualize this a million times, go out there. But like, there was this voice in my head that just really could not be so couldn't, wasn't as proud as what I would have wanted to be. Um, and I think that's something that I do a lot of coaching with, um, within my business and especially, um, especially for people who have ever spent a period of their time, their life looking a certain way, or have looked at a lot of images of what other people look like, which was the case in my case. And I was thinking like, Oh, that's what the pros look like. I don't look like a pro. And so in my brain, I was thinking like, oh, I need to look like this to go pro versus being like, holy hell, girl, this is the best you've ever looked. You look amazing. This is all about your own personal journey. Be happy for where for where you are right now. So that was a long winded way of getting to where I, where I was competitively. But um, I was that's what I wanted. And that was my goal. And that was for sure, like what we were striving towards. But at that time, I still didn't know if I, I don't know, I still didn't, I still didn't see it yet. It's now not until I'm, I'm out of it that I'm like, okay, yes, be happy you did amazing. That's fantastic. And um, yeah, at this stage, I don't know, 
I probably will compete again. I have no idea when that will be, um, but I'll, I'll compete again as a pro probably. Um, but it'll be similar to what happened last time, which is I won't figure out like, okay, the year that I'm going to step on stage is going to be 2018. It's more so like take it one step at a time, see how things are responding, see how I'm feeling, see what's going on in my life. Like we're probably going to try for another baby. So like I'll, I'll probably take all of those things into consideration before I decide if I, if and when I may, uh, I may compete again, but yeah. Yeah. 100%. Like I think there's a lot of things within there that we could talk about probably until the end of the day today. Um, like picking your brain on a lot of body dysmorphia stuff, I think is like, something that a lot of people can get from how do you how do you personally tame that beast of like you're not good enough you're not good enough you're not good enough or like so like in your space like you're you're physically being compared to other people by how you look and like and most people listening to this are within the crossfit space where we're not we're not compared physically but we are still like let's be honest like most people think they're not fit enough because they don't look like the quote-unquote CrossFit games style, people who are bulging with abs and things like that too. But I think the unique thing about the industry you work in is that you work through different seasons. Like that I think is something that CrossFit really needs to get more of is being okay with being, you know, bulkier, heavier, um, just not as lean in certain points of the season so that you can, like you did, get better at certain aspects, add more muscle so that when you decide to be lean, you succeed in your sport the same way that you would succeed in CrossFit if you eventually, you know, put on muscle, got leaned out for your gymnastics style movements. Um, but talk a little bit about that mentally of going through different periods of your life, knowing that you're not as lean as you could be. Um, and just like, I think the big thing, like, yes, you're a pro at this, but at the same time, there's a lot of times I bet when you're walking around seeing people and you're not as lean as you think your title should be like you're a fitness pro you should be lean year round people might think right so there's probably times of your life where you're walking around a little bit heavier than you think because you're you know you're gaining muscle you're in a bulking phase and you have to like I don't want to say answer the bell because of that but you know you have those perceptions of of people and and how people might look at you. So how do you deal with that mentally and getting that back to your regular body weight that you talked about um, before you were a mom and then after you were a mom? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Such a powerful, such a powerful topic. Um, for me, I think I needed to. All it takes for me to like remember why I need to be where I am is to come back into alignment with the things that matter most. So when I am shredded and lean, the areas of my life that are very um, out of balance, so to speak, are the relationships that are closest to me. I feel like shit. I have no energy. It's hard to talk. It's hard to think. It's hard to really be a high performer in my business and be a really great coach when I'm so lean. So sometimes it just takes a little bit of coaching within myself to be like, okay, what is it that that really matters most to you right now? For that period of prepping for the show, what mattered most was girl, you got to get the lean as lean as possible and you have to win the show. And that's where my brain was. So that's where my, um, 
that's where I was, I was trying to keep my focus right now when there's times when I feel like, Oh, it'd be great to be leaner or it would be great to, I don't know, fit into my clothes differently. I come back to alignment of what is it that you want most right now? What is it for us? What we want most is to try to grow our family, which looks like, Oh, okay, you have to have more body weight on, you have to have a menstrual cycle, you have to prioritize like healthy fats within your diet. And if somebody is to come along and to think that I physically don't look the part, then you know what, fuck them. <laughs> so that's the way I go about like dealing with the other people's perspectives. For myself, I, I have really now in aging have got to this point where I'm like, you know what, the way I'm living my life is in alignment with what I want most right now. And if I continue to do that, then I feel as though I am creating a happier, more fulfilled life. It's only when I start to think like, okay, if I, if I were just five pounds less, or if I were just 10 pounds less, then I would be able to feel happy or like I'd be able to feel something at that time. But I feel as though it's like, if that's not an alignment of the path that you're on, then I think it's, it, it's not worth, going about. So for example, like, is losing the extra five or 10 pounds really going to be in alignment with with the thing that, I, that I'm working towards? And I think during a bulking phase, that's the that's the point I always come back to of, yes, it would be great to have a flat stomach on this vacation. But what is it that I want most? What it and, and when I was going through the bulk and preparing for going pro it was like yes that would feel really great right now or I could be working towards the thing that I really want most so I have to go through this this period of bulking to be able to um, go through that so I guess the best way to think about it is like instead of just thinking about like the short-term things that you really want I think it's looking at the big picture of like a year from now where do you want to be and then when you're looking at where you want to be from a year from now okay what do I need to do now which is going to help me get closer to that thing and often that is going to come with some sort of price right I don't believe that like things that we're really working towards are not going to be easy and there's going to be parts that are uncomfortable and things that you don't necessarily want to go through but that's just the price you have to pay to get to wherever it is that you're going so sometimes that shift of perspective can be a really 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 powerful thing I I feel like with the body dysmorphia component I feel as though we need to reach out to people to talk about the way that we're feeling and I, I think too often people suffer in silence, especially with body dysmorphia, because it, it it's hard to describe, but when you're in it and you're looking around, there was people who were like so lean around me and I couldn't even see them being lean. Like my whole world was so distorted because I had looked like that for an extended period of time. So I had to have conversations with people in the space of mental health and tell them how I was feeling and go through exercises of dealing with, with the emotions that were coming up for me. Um, so I also think like it's sometimes it's not just something that you can do alone. You need a coach or you need a therapist or you need somebody that you can talk to if you're struggling with those things that you're feeling. Um, I think the beautiful part about being a mom is my son reminds me every day that he doesn't fucking care what I look like. <laughs> he, he like, like 
at all, at all. Like the look in his eyes, like he has no idea. Like, yeah, he doesn't, he has no grasp of that. And I think that that's such a beautiful thing that he isn't seeing me look in the mirror and analyze every inch of myself. And he isn't seeing me for anything other than just being his mom. And if we can sometimes just walk a day in the shoes of the people that are closest to us that love us the most, we'll realize like, you know what? They would rather me not be 10 pounds less. They would rather me be exactly the way that I am because they can tell that I'm really happy right now. 100%. I think that like you talk about that too, but I always talk about it with people in terms of like, you're not, you're not self-identified or you might, you might be self-identified, but you're not identified by how much you weigh. If somebody asked me, you know, you know, Facebook messaged me or something and said, who's Angela? I would be, I would not say she's 125 pounds. I would say who she is as a human being, right? We never describe someone by their body weight, but we think that that's how everyone sees us anyways. Whereas it's more of the perceptions of who we really are that I get, get identified, um, and become part of why we fit in certain social circles and why we don't fit in other ones. But let's talk a little bit about the mother side of you, um, but also like the mother side combined with the the nutrition and fitness pro. Um, after you had your your son, how did you deal with that mentally of being like, I know there's so many moms that are like, I have to go, you know, I have to be back to this, I have to fit in my clothes four months from now, and I have to be back to that normal weight. Um, how do you deal with that mentally in terms of like, I want to be back in that old Angebod, but also at the same time juggling the responsibility and the priority, or it should be a priority, to take care of your son as he's getting, you know, in his first few months of life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's such a such a tough stage for a woman to be in. Absolutely. Um, I knew that the component of going through that weight loss journey and going through that postpartum period was not only powerful for myself and what it was going to entail for my son, but it was also a really great opportunity to share that with the people that were either following me on social media or um, within my environment of me being their coach and to go about it from the standpoint of I'm not going to do this quickly. There's apps. It's never worth it to try to go through something incredibly quickly because it just doesn't, it just doesn't stay. So the introduction was really just like starting over. I was pretty similar in terms of weight, um, from where I had been in the past. And, uh, so really the root of that was, Hey, we have to move a little bit more, we're going to just slowly start introducing some strength training. I went back to counting macros and being mindful in terms of the foods that I was eating. But I also gave myself this timeline of, I don't need to be anywhere by a specific date. I just need to do the best that I can right now with it. And, and really for the first few months of Theo being born, the only movement I was getting was like, essentially carrying him around and doing house chores with him and and taking him out for walks and doing a lot of the internal core stuff and other than that like there wasn't a lot of strength training especially at the capacity that that I had been doing prior to having them him so I feel as though the best advice I have for moms is really just giving yourself no timeline at all just allowing yourself to 
um, do the best that you can with it. Once he, I think he had been, I don't know, maybe he was nine or 10 months. I was like, you know what? I'm going to get a gym membership. And, uh, and then they have a little daycare there where I was able to, to drop him off, um, with that. But I also came to peace at, at that point too, with like, let's start nice and small and really only do as much as I can. So instead of doing the like hour and a half to two hours of like workouts that I was doing prior to trying to become pregnant, my, my initial workouts were really only like 15 minutes, 20 minutes. Cause that's where I'm, that's all my body could handle. And that's, um, all that I could really do at that time. So I think having that patience as a mom is something that's incredibly, incredibly important. Um, I think the other big piece is we think that we should hide our, like, I don't know, that we can only squeeze in a workout if our kids are sleeping or if, if, I don't know, if they're not around, but I think that's just like such a silly, silly way to approach it. Like when Theo was little, the best part would be that he was a little copycat and he wanted to do everything that I was doing. So when he, like he had started to learn to walk and he had seen me doing stuff at home and I guess he had seen like a push up position and then also like a downward dog with your bum in the air position. So he would be like walking down the hallway and he would just go into that pit position. And I was like, you know what? they're watching what we're doing and what a beautiful opportunity to inspire them to want to be active and do things as well. So I think we need to involve our kids in the things that we're doing. And like, even now all the cooking and and going grocery shopping, like your kids can be a part of all of that as moms. It's not like, it's not like they can't be a part of it. We just need to teach them and bring them along for the ride. And, and then they'll also be inspired to, um, inspired to to follow in that same footsteps I think that the I think the biggest part as moms is like we either feel like everything we do we just have this guilt that people think we should have or like it's just like being pushed on moms in general like whether it's the like guilt of leaving our children to go exercise or the guilt of like not spending enough time with them or the guilt of like I fed my kids chicken nuggets last night or the guilt of like could be anything and I think like as moms we just need to take a step back and be like you know what I'm doing great I'm doing the best that I can and um your kids don't you're the way that, I don't know, the way that I like to approach motherhood, and I don't know if this is right or not right, but it feels right for me, is that like Theo or your child or whatever, your your babe, they, they remember the way that you made them feel more than anything else. And I feel as though if we just kind of focus on on that as moms, all the other little things don't matter and we can really get very stressed out and feel really guilty about all of the things that we should have done or the the things that we shouldn't have done. But I think if we just make them feel really good, most of the time, those are the memories that they're going to, those are the memories that they're going to take with them. Um, And I think in the feeling good, it's not only the, um, it's not only their involvement in your active lifestyle, but them also like, seeing you not be stressed out about all the things that are going on. I think that's another big, 
big part for moms is I think that like we carry the stress of so many other things that we really don't shouldn't be carrying the stress of and it can really be very wearing uh wearing when you're trying to have it all together absolutely and I think you kind of hit the nail on the head too when you're talking about like things that in terms of priorities and that guilt because I know there's so many moms that are like they they almost feel guilty for taking that one hour to themselves to work out because they're they're expected or someone has put an expectation on them whether that's themselves or just society at large that they're supposed to be taking care of their kids 24 hours a day seven days a week but they need that hour for themselves to to make sure that they can you know make sure that they're Filling from a full cup, like filling from an empty cup is not going to work for anybody. So I think that's super important that you talked about that. One of the last two questions I had was if you had, um, if, if someone is pregnant, you know, they're midway through their pregnancy or even they're getting close to the end or just finished and had their baby, what's your, what's your biggest advice for them um, to get back on track with their lives, but also, you know, keep that nutrition and, um, body idea in mind with a balance of their their children their newborns as well mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah yeah like I feel as though the best piece of advice in terms of like maybe I don't know there's like two pieces of it to me I, I think like the first part is the getting your body back so to speak is uh like I don't want to say it's unrealistic. I think for me, I looked better after having my son than what I did prior to. <laughs> so it wasn't like moving back. It was like moving forward. I think like, I think that's a, a, one of the big pieces that I have for women, whether you're pregnant or had babies or had babies a long time ago is like, your body may never be the same, but just because it's never the same doesn't mean it can't be better right? doesn't mean like it, it might not look ever the way that you had wanted for like wanted it to look. But I think if we can shift our perspective and celebrate the things that are that we're able to um, that that we that we do have and that we're able to have, I think that's one of those big pieces that I really want women to know is that like, just because it doesn't look the same, and it's a possibility that it could look better. And that that part of it just requires a little bit of um, shift in focus to, to really be able to celebrate the parts of your body and the things that you're able to do that perhaps you might not have been able to do prior to. I think the other, the other big piece of like prioritizing nutrition and prioritizing exercise is really coming back to the thing that I talked about. And that's what do you really want the most? And I think when you think about it, Although we want to change our body and although we want to like have like, I don't know, be active and and eat healthy. I think we also above all just want to be positive role models for our kids. And what does a positive role model for your kids look like? Right. And, And for everybody, it's a little bit different. But I think if we can always in our journey think about it from that perspective and remember that their little eyes are watching and that the things that we're saying to ourselves and the thoughts that we're putting into um, into our mind when we're looking in the mirror, like we, we wouldn't want that for our children. So if we always come back to like, what would a positive role model um, do for their children? I think then we stay in alignment of, of what it is that we should be, what it is that we should be doing um, versus being so focused on, 
what does the scale look like and what size of pants am I in? Like you, you can still work towards those things, but never lose sight of the fact that there's those little eyes that are watching and they're what matters the most. Um, so awesome. Yeah. I love that. Um, I love that in terms of legacy for your kids as well. Cause I know that part of the, the ideas I had around food were just built through childhood and, and things of like how I viewed my body, how I viewed the food that was on my plate and what was good food, what was bad food. Um, so yeah. much of that is built for parents and I think that we could do an entire other episode with just how to build a good relationship with your kids for food. Last question I had being that it's the Refocused Nutrition Podcast is that there's usually like, there's always something that within an industry that fires you up. Um, like for me, that's why I still stick with it. It's just because every time I go on Instagram, it seems like I scroll by one thing and I'm like, oh, I have to really get after this one thing because I really want people to refocus on something. What is something that you think people should refocus on, whether it's mothers, whether it's just everyday people when it comes to their nutrition and fitness habits so that they can better improve their lives? Mm -hmm. That's a good question. I feel like for when it comes to the refocusing component, the thing that drives me like completely up the wall is like, I really, 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 really believe that we cannot spend year after year dieting, dieting, dieting. Yes. I think like the focus of nutrition is really that, that seasonal thing that you talked about and that cycling. I think that's so, so important. It's like, we need those periods of planting the seeds. We need those periods away from a deficit. We need those periods where we're not so focused on the size that, um, size of pants that we're in. So I really, I really want men and women to, to think about that. Like, yes, perhaps maybe you've been in a fat loss period or you've been dieting for a six month period or an eight month period. But at some point we just have to shift the focus away from dieting and either go into maintenance mode or go into building muscle mode. And either way that time is going to pass, but we need those periods away from being in a deficit. And I think there needs to be a lot more priority on the education piece associated with maintenance and the, the um, education piece associated with muscle gain, especially with women, so that they do understand the reasons why they go through those periods as coaches. I think I know people aren't often going to sign on with us with those being their goals, especially as women. But I think our job as coaches is really to educate them on the importance of why that's going to be part of their overall nutrition strategy and why going through those periods can be so beneficial for the metabolism, the mindset, and uh, just allow it so that you can get to whatever that end goal is for you. Because often, yeah, often that dieting year after year, like, it's kind of like a broken record because the person may have jumped from this kind of diet to that kind of diet all over the place, like trying all these new strategies that are all caloric deficits. And they're like, why isn't anything working? And it's like, ah, uh, oh, okay, well, <laughs> but that's probably it. And that's the first thing that came to mind for me. Yeah, I, I totally agree. There's so many people that, you know, are chasing fat loss and rightfully so maybe in, in a lot of their cases they want it, they can and should have some fat loss. But it's just that transitioning from one fad diet to the next fad diet, then they detox this, and they try another diet. Like, and it just, like you said, it, it chases itself down the rabbit hole of really, really messing things up for your metabolism, your hormones, and then your lifestyle in general. Um, yeah. Before we go, Ange, like I'd like to get 
I also like to thank you for being on because I think what a lot of what you said in here was straight up fire. Like you delivered a lot of actionable things in terms of mindset stuff that people can think about. But where can people find you on social media? And then also tell us about your podcast as well because I know that's a really, really good source for people in terms of just continuing to work on the mindset but also some really actionable stuff in there talking about like reverse dieting and different dieting tips that you talk about with some of your clients and some of your guests as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so you can find me online pretty much just on Instagram. Like I do have other um, platforms, but I would say Instagram is the place where I hang out most, and that's Angehoke underscore UFE Pro. And uh, then for my podcast, we have new episodes that come out every Thursday. It's called the Transform Your Life Podcast, available on iTunes, Podbean, and Google Play. And essentially, that podcast dives into mindset, nutrition, um, and fitness. And recently, I've really been just very, very interested in everything that's going on, like psychologically, not only with like where the macro should be and where uh, what your training protocol should be, but also just where does that mindset need to be um, so that you really can achieve the things that you're hoping for. So you guys can go and check that out. If you're interested, be sure to subscribe so that you get an episode every week. And I think that's about it. Yeah, I would highly recommend it. It's like, and that's something that me as me as well as are trying to just jump on the, the mindset stuff because I think that so much of the problems that we have with food is actually not about food. Most people can tell you the differences nutritionally between chicken and broccoli and a Big Mac, but we still choose the Big Mac. So I think there's a lot of things that we need to sort out psychologically to figure out our mess. But we can hopefully dive that into dive into that again another episode in the future. Um, that's it for now, guys. Thanks so much, Ange, for coming on, and we'll see you guys next week. All right. Thanks, Eric.